0: Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 1,000 Recordings Podcast, episode number 18. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman, and with me, as always, every week is the adamantite laden Mitchell Davis.
2: yeah I uh, gotta be yeah <laughs> tough like Teflon how's it going <laughs> it,
1: it's going good man it's going good um yeah how's everything with you
2: good uh just hectic as as usual you know uh life in the big city but uh you know <laughs> as glad, we were talking be. about before the show yeah yeah just all kinds of all kinds of drama just Oh, there's nothing like waking up in the morning to look out the front window of your house to realize someone has stolen your vehicle. Uh. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it's uh, just such a ah, uh, Houston.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> such a such an amazing feeling, especially at six whatever in the morning to to find that out. So, uh, but everything's good, you know. I guess so.
1: Yeah, like we said, at least you didn't find the truck up on blocks, completely burned up or something
2: yeah just somebody wanted wanted some gas and and maybe a ride, and then they were they were pretty much done so <laughs> uh but anyway, you know, like I said it's just a it's such such an eerie feeling it's like oh you know what my truck was there last night, <laughs> and now it's not so yeah oh, well yeah. yeah
1: yeah 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 um i I just when you were describing that story, it brought up uh images of That part from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where those two garage attendants like take that car and (laughs) joyride around Chicago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So, anyway, so this week um, we're going to cover a bunch of music that both Mitch and I were both really unfamiliar with. So, this is all really new stuff to us. And, uh, but you know, that's kind of what the book is all about discovering new stuff and uh we're going to start off with an album by bell and sebastian then we're going to move on to uh vincenzo bellini's opera norma then uh the bembea jazz national um this african um i don't even know how to describe them jazz Afrobeat. Yeah. Group from, yeah. from Guinea. Um World
2: Yeah, world beat type music. Yeah. Uh, really, really good stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh then we're gonna move on to Jorge Ben, uh the Brazilian um kind of funk Brazilian Africa inspired music. Yeah. Um and then we're gonna end with Gregorian chant, which is gonna be a, a total um uh, kind of whiplash <laughs> away from, you know, Bembeya Jazz National and Jorge Ben. But, oh,
2: yeah. Um, yeah, the the phenomena of, of Gregorian chant that that was, and I guess in the 90s especially, when it, they first put those those chant albums out, which, you know, most people weren't familiar with, and all of a sudden it was just like, you know, they were big as Elvis, you know, yeah. or yeah, The it Beatles was, or whatever. It
1: was a weird phenomenon for sure. And uh, that's, like you said last time, that's uh, right when we were both working in a record store when that mm-hmm. phenomenon happened.
2: It was crazy. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, only at that point would you have so many people coming into record stores looking for, oh, do you have that Gregorian chant? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just weird. <laughs> very, it was <laughs> very the weird. But, but it was weirdest phenomenon.
2: But it was cool, though. I mean, I, I think anybody who, who gets passionate about anything music wise you know that that's always it's always fun you know I mean because you probably had people you know who, who hadn't bought a CD ever you know that were coming in all of a sudden looking for this music that that just you know was marvelous to them you know and that that's the good thing about that is that like I said you know there were there were some people I know I mean there were young people and old you know that all of a sudden just wanted the sound of, of these monks in a church you know singing with you know church bells and an echo. And I mean, it was, it was pretty, pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. I think Enigma helped push that along as well. Remember Enigma? Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I I would, I would agree with that because, because I would, I would say they, they definitely inspired uh, the, I think the distributor for, for both those, uh, those groups was was maybe like EMI or, or capital or something. They, they probably figured, you know, since people got into that where you have, you know that to like a club beat or whatever. Why don't we just take the club beat out and let them have the original? And and it was it was much bigger than than Enigma was, which and they were pretty big when they first came out. You know, but but that was I mean I've never seen anything like that. You know, where where someone came, you know, the the people came out in droves for that stuff. But anyway, um quite a, quite a phenomena for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. So yeah, we'll get to that at the end of the show. Uh, we're gonna start with Bell and Sebastian, their album "If You're Feeling Sinister," and uh, I was totally unfamiliar with Bell and Sebastian. I mean, have you had any uh contact with their music before the show? Just,
2: just from people posting their music, uh, you know, like via Facebook. I mean, you know, I I was slightly familiar uh but not definitely not a fan i I might be like a curious fan at this point but um you know kind of you know liking them you know like the book says to the smiths um you know maybe even everything but the girl you know just kind of real simple pop melodies but but you know complex really sensitive honest lyrics if you will uh from their their lead singer and um just seemed to be uh, one of those things that I I definitely was not into when when I first listened to them, but but kind of at a closer look and and kind of understanding better, you know. Like I said, a lot more curious than I was at first. But no, I I was not not very familiar, you know, outside of what I I'd, I'd seen just gradually come up on on Facebook and that kind of thing. No. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this seems to be one of those bands that uh, kind of like the Arcade Fire that we talked about earlier that were real critical darlings but not huge commercial successes but had like a real devoted following oh yeah um and uh yeah you know this album i guess their second album they came up uh in the late 90s um and are they irish or something i I can't remember now um do you remember they came Uh, up in the that that northern british isle uh area
2: yeah i i would i would definitely say british i mean it's i mean they i'm as far as them being ours i'm really not sure okay um,
1: they are i'm looking they're from glasgow okay and uh so yes yes they are from that area and um uh apparently came up through sort of college radio during that time which of course you know hearing this you know it's, it would be right at home on on college radio <laughs> yeah you know it's kind of kind of uh dark and moody and and sort of uh to use a, a more contemporary term a, li- a little bit sometimes emo a little sometimes not always you know and, and, and sometimes very sort of cryptic lyrics but, yeah you know often about relationships and oh yeah stuff like that yeah
2: um it, exactly definitely definitely you know I would say the, the lyrical content is that that's the, the one fascinating thing about them is, is, I mean, for me and more than, than the music itself, cause the music is great, but it's, it's listening to what he's singing about, mainly, you know, relationships, you know, in flux, relationships going bad, you know, relationships in the new stages or old stages or, you know, strange stages, if you will. And I, and that seems to be the, the focus of a lot of their music, um, and and that's that's kind of interesting too. They another group they kind of remind me of a little bit uh uh the Violent Femmes, you know, where they they they're, they're kind of like that too, you know, where they the lyrical content is 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 a lot of the focus, you know. And and the music is is fun and, and very poppy um and and they just they just seem like one of those bands that they're they're not very flashy at all, obviously. Very personable with each other. You know, they they all seem like they're really good friends, and um, you know, they they seem like they really shunned uh, the initial big attention that they were getting. You know, which apparently was was huge. I mean, I there's a there's a documentary about them that I posted on uh, uh, one thousand recordings uh, page, and it, it it just seemed like at first they were they were kind of taken aback by how how popular they had become you know, at their early stages where they like their first record pressing sold out like instantly. And, and apparently if you can find like that first, the very first record they released, it, it's worth like a ton of money, you know, or something like that. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they, they still apparently don't really like, you know, the, the so-called attention that they get. You know, they just kind of want to be be themselves, you know, and in the niche that they've carved out or whatever for themselves. They and not much bigger than that, which, you know, I I have a lot of respect for that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, though you don't want it to become where it's like a job, you know. Yeah, you know, it, it is a job, but it you don't want it to become like where it's work, I guess. You know, in, in that sense, it's it still seems like it's still fun to them at this point, but you know, yeah, they're tr- they're trying to avoid all the the trappings of of rock and roll, so to speak
1: right 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 um so yeah the first track that we're going to listen to is called seeing other people and uh i'm sorry you know but this one i just can't not think of it has a real vince giraldi <laughs> peanuts vibe to it's almost like if charlie brown put a band together <laughs> and wrote a pop song uh, <laughs> uh it's got a real vibe that i mean that i liked you know i mean it, it's uh um, I think the lyrical content is about a couple um, who say, you know, they're sort of together, but they're going to see other people on the side. And, um, you know, but when they see other people, they sort of feel guilty for doing so. And um, I couldn't, I couldn't tell really if this was, uh, I don't know what, well, th- th- that's kind of what I got from it. So uh, yeah. what did you
2: think of it? Well, You know, when, when that happens, I guess there's, there's sort of like a, almost like a front that you may put up, uh, when you really, really care about someone, but you know that, that there's, there's issues in between and, and you, and you try that issue of, of so-called seeing other people, but you know that, you know, it's not exactly what you want, you know, you, you would rather you know, kind of maybe be exclusive, but that's not working. So just to kind of keep from totally shutting everything off, you know, you 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 do this, you know, but it's still not exactly, you know, what you want. I think that's what I got from this song, you know, where it's, it, it's still not exactly comfortable, you know, where you're seeing, you know, said person with someone else or, or a number of other people, and and now you know trying to think past you know okay if this is not going to work then what you know what what's next you know and and i i think you know if if you've ever been in a relationship where you've you've kind of been open you know and and not quite comfortable with it this is kind of you know one of the one of the you know results of of how you would feel you know um yeah and and i i think that's one thing about um the the writer in question that, that he just he he just puts everything out up front. He's he's totally brutally honest. Uh, I guess it's not it's uh, Stuart Murdoch. Um, and it's what's funny, I guess it's two Stuarts, Stuart Murdoch and Stuart David, um, where he he just totally puts his feelings out for everybody to see, you know, al- almost as if he's writing a journal. You know, because it seems like this. Yeah, so yeah. much of this is 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 on him, um, and and just a, a way of dealing with his own stuff. You know, he he puts it into song, um, and and that's that's one of the things about them that that I I liken to the Smiths a lot with with Morrissey. He he could be brutally honest about himself and articulate about it. Uh, in a lot of ways they are too, and um, and then just very very British. Even though I, I know they're from Glasgow, I just think they just have just a you know very grounded British pop sound with their lyrics, with the way the music sounds, you know. Um, and again, going back to everything about the girl, like when they first started, they they kind of they kind of remind me of the same thing, you know, just really messed up relationships and 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 love lost and 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 love in a state of you know whatever, you know, it's usually usually kind of kind of sorrowful um but but in a in a melancholy sense you know not in in a in a mournful sense you know i guess yeah. you know it's 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 almost like uh someone who 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 just finding a way to deal with you know a poor state in a relationship you know puts it into into a song to help them get through you know which i think the second song that we're gonna play also kind of kind of plays on that but anyway
1: okay yeah yeah um well i think you said it man let's listen to it and uh just hear what bell and sebastian sound like um this is seeing other people by bell and sebastian
3: The boys are queuing up behind us. A hand over my mouth, a hand over the window. Well, if I remain passive and you just want to cuddle, then we should be okay and we won't get in a muddle. Seeing other people at least, that's what we say we are doing. So, how are you feeling? I don't think you could be dealing. Very Well, you take a lover for a dirty week, and that's okay When it's over, you are looking at the working week Through the eyes of the gigolo, whoa, whoa
1: And we just heard seeing other people and we're going to move on to get me away from here. I'm dying. Um, so this song, and yeah, I'd be happy to, um, hear your thoughts on what this song is about because in my notes that I made, you know, when I was listening to the song, I wrote WTF. Is this about <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, what, musically, uh, you know it's interesting because the um, the verse has the the Paco Bell's canon um, chord progression. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I mean, the chord progression is is straight up Paco Bell's canon, uh, which which always reminds me of. Uh, have you ever seen that Paco Bell rant on YouTube? It's says comedian.
4: No, if, I have if you not haven't seen, seen that. You should
1: you should look that up. It's just, you should just go up and look up Paco Bell Rant. And it's a comedian, you know, with a guitar. I can't remember his name. Um, but it's really funny. I mean, he he's he's going through, you know, all these pop songs and and how he hates Paco Bell's canon, but just <laughs> ru- ru- just playing the same Paco Bell canon chord progression and running through all kinds of pop songs and you sort of realize, you know, holy crap, how many people have have used this um mm-hmm. progression. But anyway, um yeah, you know this music, you know, we were talking about the Smiths and Morrissey and uh, everything but the girl and um you know them being from Glasgow, this northern part of of the British Isles, um, you know, in two thousand one I went to Manchester, England um mm-hmm. for the uh premiere of one of my pieces. And uh you know Manchester is where Morrissey is from that's you know yeah. where, where the Smiths came from and um the same kind of area and when you're there you know the weather there is like something that I've never experienced anywhere in the United States
2: I mean um lots of rain I'm assuming
1: well it's not even that and in fact when I was there I was there for about four days it never rained the thing hmm. is that um there is there was this constant and completely uniform cloud covering so so Mm. the entire time and the clouds look like this sort of grayish cotton right this Mm -hmm. just but almost like this layer this flat layer that was there the entire time it never went away and so it created this weird effect of this gray sort of sameness where like when you're outside, you cannot tell what time of day it is. I mean, it could be seven in the morning, it could be noon, it could be three in the afternoon, it could be seven at night. It looks the same, like every, and I can't, I, I can't really express how weird that is. until mm. you just have to experience it because. It, so
2: it's just completely overcast, 24 and seven.
1: Yeah, and and it, and it just gives this like complete sameness and unchanging grayness is all i can say
2: like Um, a gray piece of paper where you just have to stare at oh yeah yeah. okay and so (laughs)
1: after i was there for like four days i was like all right i i get morrissey now i understand (laughs) (laughs) uh you know and uh glasgow is gonna be kind of the same way you know and it seems like so many bands from this area you know this northern british isles have this kind of same sound or same feeling you know what i mean yeah i just wonder like how much of it is environmental (laughs) you know probably Um, quite a bit i imagine yeah yeah um and of course you know i mean there were parts of manchester that were really beautiful but for the most part you know it was a northern england industrial town Mm. you know and it looked very industrial and um so anyway, I don't know that. That's so. I, you know, whenever I hear music like this, I just instantly you know it takes me back to Manchester, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, I, I'm just sitting outside and in the in the sort of never changing grayness. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I get it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I I I still don't know what this song is about. So do you know what it's about, or?
2: Well, I I, I think to me it may be just a way of him trying to break that monotony, especially when. When you explain it like that, it, it seems that, you know, first I mean, first and foremost, you know, oh, get me away from here! I'm dying, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's
2: pretty plain. You know? <laughs> whatever it is you're trying to get him away from, it it's it's not good for him. I mean, he's he's ready he's ready for something different. He's ready for for whatever. And I mean, also, it seems that he's trying to explain his own condition in, in that place, and and you know the the good or bad of it however you want to look at it and um, you know it, it. it's also one of those things I think where it's there's there's confession in the song you know where um, you know one of the lyrics talks about you know you know you, you could be like I guess as a band you could be successful or you could be us you know which I'm, I'm taking it as you know he doesn't really see themselves as successful but You know, and that's, again, that could be good or bad, you know, because because I think that for them, success can can maybe be like a dirty word. I mean, obviously, you know, they want to be, you know, somewhat popular, but, you know, success could mean, you know, they get signed to a major label and they wind up changing everything that they're about, you know, just to kind of, you know, survive and make do and and make the so-called label happy. So. You know, what is success? I mean, you know, what is a lot of that? And 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 I think their perception on all of that, especially in music, you know, totally could be you know, taken in, in this song as is something that they wanna they wanna somewhat avoid, but you know, they're they're okay with that. You know, I I I, I think, you know, it's one of those things to where, you know, you you're you're comfortable you know cuz this is this is something obviously they they started you know piece by piece you know and 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 they don't want it to totally you know get away from them you know like so many bands that that become successful especially bands that that start from seemingly you know such obscure parts you know they they, yeah. they they're not really like a lot of bands i mean they, they you know they can they can have all sorts of stuff going on where they, they have, you know, trumpet or, or violin and and you know the the their lyrics are not very conventional pop like lyrics, but you know, they, they definitely have their audience. They definitely have a, a a a not a not a decent following, I would even say a cult following. Because yeah, the people yeah. that seem to love them, love them, you know, down to the bone, you know, and and I I'm amazed by that whenever that can happen with a band that that seemingly no one really knows that much about. You know, that's that's a great thing when that can happen, you know, because when when people come to their shows, you know, it's it's like a it's like a special thing, you know, it's it's a personal thing. Cause usually it's not gonna be like some big hall. Sometimes it can be, I mean, depending on where they are. Usually it's gonna be like a small, intimate club. And 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 I love that kind of thing in music. When you can see someone you know, it stay somewhat in a fledgling state and, and not go, you know, mega stardom, you know, but still be good, still be, you know, personable. Um and, and I think they they have learned how to keep that that going, you know, up to this extent. I mean, from what I'm seeing. So
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you wanna just check it out?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, let's listen to uh, this song. Uh, it is Get Me Away From Here, I'm Dying by Bella Sebastian.
3: Oh, that wasn't what I meant to say at all From where I'm sitting, rain Falling against the lonely tenement That set my mind to wander i never know unless I write This is no declaration I just thought I'd let you know goodbye Said the hero in this story It is mightier than swords I could kill you sure But I could only make you cry with these words Cry with these words Cry with these words cry with these ones oh get me away I'm dying 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 oh I'm dying oh I'm dying yeah. oh I'm dying I'm dying, get me away, I'm dying. Get me away, I'm dying. Get me away, I'm dying. Oh, I'm dying. Oh, I'm dying.
2: And that was Get Me Away From Here, I'm Dying by Bell and Sebastian. <laughs> and <laughs> now we're moving on to, uh, the, uh opera Norma by Vincenzo Bellini is that how you say his name
1: yeah yeah uh
2: and uh, the the uh the very uh legendary Maria Callas. right who uh I I knew somewhat about um just by name and you know her so-called I guess relationship with uh onassis uh and I, I never really realized how how powerful her voice was uh until I sat and listened to her you know over the last couple of weeks i mean you know powerful and, and expressive um uh, just i I mean because you I mean you always hear that name associated with opera but I mean if you don't listen to opera like i I don't listen to opera you you don't really realize it until you sit and listen to her you know really go at it uh just an amazing talent she is um yeah and uh I, i'm i'm sure you're a lot more familiar with with the opera than i am um
1: no <laughs> I oh mean, you're not <laughs> no i mean that's the thing um uh even though i you know composer went to music school know a lot about classical music i mean opera is something that I just never um you know never gravitated towards and so opera as far as classical music is concerned is probably my worst area of knowledge um i don't know anything about or i didn't previous you know to to this uh podcast i didn't know anything about the opera norma Uh, i didn't really know anything about maria Callas, um other than you know she was a famous opera singer in the 20th century Mm -hmm. that was pretty much all i knew i mean i didn't even know anything about you know aristotle onassis or any of that stuff uh-huh. um, so uh yeah i mean this was just as new to me really as i think it was to you so, oh, okay yeah and but you know I, I you know read about maria callas and I, I think you know this choice of album by tom moon to put in this book i think it was as much about the opera as Putting an album of Maria Callas in here, if okay. not, if not more, maybe about about Maria Callas herself, um, and of course, you know that if you want to put an album of Maria Callas, you know, you put in, an opera album because that's that's what she did, you know.
2: Yeah, she seemed like she was she was born to sing opera. Um, yeah, yeah, just just a, a wonderful mix of, of vocal work. And, and even acting in what she did, if you, especially if you watch clips of her, you know, on stage actually doing it. I mean, she just she seemed like she was made for for opera work. And I mean, yeah, again, it's like I'm just like you. I, I'm not I'm not familiar with, much with opera except for, you know, a little bit of this and that here and there, you know. But um, she was just so, so beautiful and so, so much class and. So graceful on stage, um, yeah, Yeah, you know, just, just she just seemed like I like I said she was just she was just ready from day one, you know, to do this.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, definitely, and uh, you know, just to talk a little bit about the opera Nor Norma, yeah, I, I keep wanting to call it Norman. I mean, wow, what a <laughs> different opera that would be, Norman. Um, wow, uh, Norma <laughs> um, by Vincenzo Bellini. <laughs> and uh he lived from 1801 to 1835 so only lived to age 34 Mm -hmm. um and uh this is uh i think his uh, oh maybe next to last opera or third to last opera i can't i can't remember that he he uh composed but it's, it's definitely his most uh performed you know most popular opera that he did and you know in a nutshell to to sort of talk about what the opera is about um it's set in uh oh i I don't know when it would be set but but really really um back in the uh, roman empire and uh, it's set in gaul um and norma sort of uh becomes involved with this roman uh soldier and they have two children together and eventually um, Norma I, I think is the character is like a priestess of some sort or a seer or something yeah and a druid
2: a druid princess she,
1: yes thank you druid princ- princess and she has you know a bunch of uh, what are essentially like vest- vestal virgins sort of under her and uh, at one point her lover The father of her children falls in love with with you know a younger woman one of these virgins and decides to go back to Rome with her and um drama ensues you know Norma (laughs) goes and she's gonna kill her children and but then she sends her children off with this woman and then lures her lover it sounds like to some kind of burning pyre death where they both burn up together i mean it's like really sort of the highest of high drama you know from from an era you know this romantic era in the 19th century when this stuff was big and this opera is uh i guess an example of what's called bel canto opera where or bel canto singing where that you that really emphasize this sort of long uh flowing and often you know, high and register powerful lines. You know, singing lines um, that uh, you know Maria Callas became famous for. So, uh, yeah, what did you think of this opera?
2: Um, like most operas, uh, not a happy ending. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> and and kind of like a much older version of, I guess, a Fatal Attraction, where you have someone. You know, good relationship, seemingly good relationship that goes very sour. And um how yeah. things are just about to just totally unravel, especially when you start talking about, you know, killing the children. That's that just seems like someone who's just totally desperate and just totally, you know, upset to the point of where they're out of their head. And, you know, the the expression that that had to come across from from Callous, you know, I mean, just, like I said, just one of those, one of those attributes where you can, you can show the the power of, of what you're doing through song, you know, and stage presence, you know, when, when I watch her, I mean, it, it was, it was amazing, you know, and, um, you know, for, for my first, uh, you know, I guess, introduction, if, if you will, to, to, Her doing this you know I was I was very impressed and uh, I've never been one to think of myself as going to an opera but to understand what the opera is about first of all going into it obviously will help and knowing now you know what kind of to expect because you want some surprises if if you would go to something like this but to know the general story it, it makes me a little bit more interested so you know I may wind up going to to the opera, you know. If <laughs> dude, if
1: you do, if you do, man, you have to you have to tell me all about what you thought of it. But um, but you, dude, the um, the Fatal Attraction comparison—that's great. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the first thing that
2: came <laughs> to my mind is that. I mean, she's she's obviously really upset if she's talking about you know snuffing her own children that she's had with you know said general i mean that she's very very upset you know this you know talk about a woman's score she's oh yeah you know, she's she's ready to 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 drop drop the bomb so to speak yeah you know
1: yeah well let's check out this first aria um called casta diva this is probably the most famous aria from the opera and is often sung you know sort of by itself on uh you know orchest- orchestral concerts and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and she often performed this piece just by itself. You know, um, and uh, this is the first. This is you know Act One, Scene One from the opera. So this is this is the first big vocal number that the audience would see. Um, so yeah, let's check it out. This is Maria Callas singing uh, Vincenzo Bellini's *Casta Diva* from his opera *Norma*. We just heard Casta Diva, and we're going to move on to uh, part of the opera that's, <clears throat> excuse me, towards the end of the opera. So the, Casta Diva is kind of before the, um, you know, crap hits the fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this, what we're going to hear is after the crap hits the fan, um, and Norma is completely and totally pissed. And uh, this is a a kind of duet with her, you know, the father of her children, the guy that she's so um, angry at. And you can really hear that. Yeah. In in the singing is, I mean, she's really belting it out. And you can really get that emotion, you know, that she is pissed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This guy. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, you know, he's kind of like, what? You know, and she's pleading. She's like, ah! So, uh, yeah, um, this is, uh, let's see, the, I just, uh, my notes, I just lost the, uh, (laughs) the title of this.
2: Um. I'm going back now to, I, I, I I didn't write the title on my notes, anyway. Um. Oh, I got it,
1: I got it. It's, um, it's, ah, Bello Ame Ritorna. That's the title. So, um. And it's from uh, act three scene three I believe um, so uh, yeah that's that's basically what this is what did I don't know what did you think of this
2: uh, just the 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 back and forth between the the, the two vocalists you know you, you like you said you can hear her even though I don't I don't understand really a word of what they're saying it seems like you like you said she's she's had enough you know. You know, she's totally fed up and it seems as though he's he's just pleading with her, you know, trying to, you know, we hey we, you know, we can make this right. You know, this this doesn't have to go the way the way it's going, you know, and she's like, oh, yes, it does. You know, so, you know, I I I love the the vocal play between them and, and the and the drama. You know, I mean, obviously, that's a lot of what opera is about. I mean, so much dramatic performance in between. You know, players of vocalists the, the, and the stage presence, even you know where you know the the, the body language and and the, and the way an opera singer you know has to project. I mean, you know, very very well done. And um, you know, again, I, I was so so not familiar with much of anything opera. You know, outside of you know the the general. I guess you know parody of, of what you see on you know different things on TV, but to see the the real deal, and and especially someone like Maria Callas who was was really one of the best, you know, if not one of the if not the best opera vocalist, especially like as far as women go, or, or or as anybody. I mean, she was just awesome, you know. And I I I really don't know how. You know, I, I would I would feel going to an opera. I'm, I'm sure it would, it would be a quite an experience, you know, to uh yeah to actually see it you know live and in person, you know, because there's always something going on here in in Houston. So you know, it's it's definitely something that that has piqued my curiosity, so to speak. Yeah. And and even just to see who was there, you know, I I think that would be something that would be even you know even more interesting, you know. So. Yeah.
1: Well, the Houston Grand Opera ha- is a is a massive opera company. It's definitely, if you want to go see an opera, it's you know one of the best places to go to see an opera. And they have a long standing tradition of commissioning new operas. I mean, um, we actually talked about an opera that they commissioned, A Death of Klinghoffer, um, mm-hmm. by John Adams, and they they also commissioned his Nixon in China, and they com- commissioned many many other new. You know brand new operas as well as you know doing the standard repertoire which norma is is definitely part of that standard rep opera you know repertoire um but uh yeah yeah you you should go you know i think everybody should see an opera at least once in their life just just to experience it you know i mean you might be totally bored you might hate it but you know you might be surprised too you know yeah you might because you know classical music really is something to be experienced live you know that's that's how it was conceived there was no recording you know when classical music was conceived and you know the classical music is usually done on all acoustic instruments unamplified and you know you really can't get that presence of those instruments and of these voices unless you're right there
2: yeah and that's something i would like in that too when you when you bring that up Is uh, being in a a church setting and hearing uh, a choir in a church. I mean, there's nothing like the actual feeling of being in a church, hearing a full, especially a full choir with with all all the sections, you know. And then don't don't have an actual band with them or you know a, a group that plays with them. That there's nothing like that. And and I I would definitely you know liken the the experience, you know, possibly to, to a, an opera or, you know, a, a symphony performance to that in a way, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I think that's something that, yeah, like, like you said, I might go and, and fall asleep. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah. I would, I would still like to at least try it and, and see what it would be like, you know, because I, I imagine I probably wouldn't fall asleep. I probably would, would be, you know, very interested, very entertained, so to speak. I, I bet it would be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, and I think it also depends on the opera, too. I mean, I, I've seen many operas live, and, you know, some of them I was really surprised, like when I, I saw Mozart's uh, 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 blah, 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 Marriage of Figaro, and I, I uh-huh. thought that was fantastic. I love that. And then, uh, by you know, at the other end, I saw uh, this other opera that's part of the you know standard repertory, Donizetti's uh, Elixir of Love. I thought that was a piece of crap. <laughs> I hated that. And uh, you know, in the I remember reading the program notes, and it sort of boasted how Donizetti had had written this opera in, in just two weeks, and I was like. Yeah, it it sounds like he wrote it in two weeks. I mean, (laughs) but, you know, I mean, that was just my opinion. I didn't like it at all. But anyway, so I think, yeah, it it depends on the opera too, Um, of course, you know. But anyway, um, let's check this out, this last track from Norma. Uh, This is sung by Maria Callas. This is, let me turn back. This is, (laughs) this is, ah, bello ambi. Ah uh-huh. bello ame um, ritorna
5: Oh crudele insan padre e il ponior todevi bro alla <laughs> i parti tu sei per questo Eu provala 날지자피오
1: Just heard "Ah Bello" "Amè Ritorna" from Norma, and uh, we're going to move on to uh, something totally different: the Bembea Jazz National um, from the album "The Silophone Years." silophone years—I'm not sure. Um, released well, the the record was released in 2004, but I think the recordings are from the 60s. Mm-hmm. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I think that I think that is right. it's it's, a, it's sort of like a. A gathering of what they had uh from a from an older release you know just kind of updated uh material that that was probably from a, a variety of recordings uh as far as i can tell because it it's a it's a pretty big collection of, of music if i remember right uh looking at the uh the post of the album on amazon um and uh yeah i think it's just it's all the recordings that were just re-released on a on a a multiple disc set or something like that, uh, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah. Uh. Um, Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, how this group came about and how they were formed. Um, Because apparently uh, Guinea, uh, this is the uh, country that we're talking about in Western Africa. uh, After it won its independence from France in 1958, the government instituted a program to promote cultural heritage and what they one of the things they did is they really disbanded all musical acts that were you know active at the time Mm -hmm. and they put together a bunch of bands and ensembles that promoted what they thought of as um, culturally indigenous you know to guinea Yeah, that's what they were doing. You know, Uh, it it almost reminds me of the Chinese Cultural Revolution, you know, when Chairman Mao and the Communist Party took over in China and they instituted their own cultural revolution where they sort of banned everything that was Western. They banned banned all Western art, all Western music, everything and really promoted um, anything that was traditionally Chinese. Chinese yeah. traditional music and all that stuff, and uh, it, you know, I don't think it was as extreme here in Guinea, but um, no, it was no, kind it of this doesn't sound like it. It, no. it was kind of the same idea, you know. Um, these this was a government run program. These were government run ensembles playing government approved music, um, hmm. but what resulted was something really cool, um, which mm-hmm. which was the Bembeya Jazz National, um, and uh, yeah, what did you think of of Bembea Jazz National?
2: I, I I really love them. And going back to what you were saying about the the government, uh, their influence on on what what they were about, and, and in comparison to to China, you know, it it really doesn't sound as if you know they're doing this on a level where they they are being forced to do it. Uh, or, or or it sounds repressed, and I know that that's the knock that you know, you know, communist China will will always get you know for you know various yeah. obvious reasons. Um, but in this music, I mean, I I don't feel that at all. I don't hear that at all. Yeah, I, I agree. When I agree with you. When I listen to it, I I mean, I hear a sound of 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 nationalism or or an indigenous sound, but a but a sound that is free. Uh, a sound that is that is happy if you will um to to be in the state of where they are uh there's there's a lot of harmony in the music uh, a lot of melody and great rhythms um at times even the music can get hypnotic um uh, where the the guitar and 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 trumpet and percussion play off of each other and the, and the vocalist where where his part is in the music I mean, it, it's it's a really good mix of of what I guess their, the indigenous sound of that region, you know, would be. And uh, you know, I guess what you would call African rhythms or African pop music. Uh, you know, I, I I definitely I feel a strong sense of, of nationalism, but but a pleasant one, not not a forced one where it's like, hey, you play this or you're gonna be in jail, you know. <laughs> So, right, right. But uh, what, what did you what did you think about it?
1: Oh, I, I liked it a lot. I mean uh, your comment about it you know sometimes going into the hypnotic, I mean I think is right on. I mean uh, you know it, it has an interesting sort of confluence of influences. Uh, you can definitely of course hear the sub-Saharan sort of African drum music. That's where it gets hypnotic. you know they set up these uh, rhythmic patterns you know, in in the guitars and in the drums and the horns and whatever mm-hmm. that sort of create these, you know, this polyrhythmic tapestry that's so they can just hypnotize you. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so they have that in there. They have the Afro-Cuban, you know, influence where I think that's interesting where they sort of went to Cuba or I mean looked to Cuba for inspiration but the Afro-Cuban music was the music that originated in this area of Africa right Mm. but then evolved you know in Cuba and so they're sort of like taking that music that came from their homeland and evolved into something uh you know into something unique and then sort of taking it back and reincorporating it yeah into which I think is really super interesting and um also, some of it reminded me of like Afrobeat, like kind of Fela Kuti.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, yeah, um, and I don't know. I I like it a lot. I think it's really cool.
2: Yeah, I, I would definitely say that that you can you can hear what what sounds a lot like Fela did. I mean, with with this artist and I and also too the next artist we're going to talk about uh, after this also too you can definitely hear things that they did in their music. As well as is what he did, you know the 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 same kind of you know same kind of rhythms, the same kind of sync with with the band and 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 how they how it all blended together. And um, you know the 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 first track that we're going to listen to, uh, uh, the the first thing that I noticed, like I said, the 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 portion of it where it seems to get hypnotic, it's it's just where it you know, the, the music kind of takes off in almost a whole different direction and it almost seems like, you know, everybody's doing their own thing but they're not really, you know, offbeat at all. Um, yeah, right. And that's that's really just amazing in itself, you know, to where you, you have that kind of ensemble or group that can kind of play off of each other and, and still not, you know you know, kind of wreck the whole thing. Uh, where they're all doing doing something different now all really on on seemingly the same page but but never really you know lose the chemistry of, of the whole the whole the whole melody the whole harmony of things so to speak
1: what's this track called
2: um the first track we're gonna listen to uh if I'm pronouncing this correctly is uh Muscle Gobi
1: I was and gonna I, I was gonna make you pronounce it because I, I don't know how to say it either <laughs> yeah
2: I, I, I think that's how you pronounce that and uh, it was it was just one of the first tracks that kind of jumped out at me uh, when when I was sampling this stuff and I was like man I really love this you know I mean and I'm not even sure exactly what that means I, I guess I should find that out but uh, you know let's uh let's listen to this first song from uh, Benmbaya Jazz National uh, it's called uh Mosa Gobi. Thank you. and you just heard uh, uh Musu Gobi from uh, Bimbaya Jazz National and uh the next song uh, we're going to listen to is I forget what it is. It is oh no. It is uh Bela. Yeah. And um this is a song it 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 kinda is is also in the the same vein of, of what we were just talking about. What what did you what did you think about uh this song in particular yourself?
1: Oh I liked it. I mean it is really in in much the same vein as as the other one, although I thought it was a little more um a little more uh, focused on like song like character the other one i thought was really focused on you know creating these polyrhythmic grooves and really focusing on these like you know hypnotic uh rhythmic patterns and all this stuff and this one i mean this has it too but uh i thought this one was a little more song like you know uh in nature um but again i mean not, you know not much more i can say about it it's just just cool i, I just yeah
2: yeah. Yeah, I agree. Just very, very cool. Just something that, you know, I, I had never, never heard of them before. And uh, nah, me neither. Getting into to music, especially music that that's African influences is, is always fun. Um, you know, the the guitar on, on both of these is just one of the things that that I just love. I, you, you never really hear guitar play the same outside of, of African rhythms you know the way yeah. it's played here you know it's, it's it's so good and so distinctive and unique to african music yeah. and uh yeah that's you know, that, one of
1: my favorite parts of it too the electric guitars yeah
2: yeah it 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 just has such a pleasant mix of, of a lot of stuff i mean you know at at times you know I, I i think of of how blues and even bluegrass music can sound with with guitar and and that's the maybe the only thing i could think of that that would kind of remind me of of what this sounds like and uh, but it but this isn't even that it's, it's something totally different and on its own um and uh it, it's just a a really great mix of of percussion and, and horn and 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 vocal that that I like, at times is like call and response like we talked about before uh in African music and um but anyway um just just great to uh you know discover new things you know of of course is again
1: yeah yeah well let's uh I guess let's check this out this is uh Bela from Bembea Jazz National <laughs>
6: Yeh nah boh doh bo, do, bo, do, bo,
1: And we heard we just heard Bela from Bambaya Jazz National and we're going to move on to Brazilian musician Jorge Ben um, his album Africa slash Brazil released in 1976 um, and this is you know it's interesting because the book obviously just goes in uh, you know alphabetically you know mm-hmm. so it's interesting that these two albums got put right next to each other Mm -hmm. because they have so much in common Um, yeah and uh, there's even though Jorge Ben is Brazilian uh, there's a huge African and Afro pop Afro beat influence in this music I guess uh, after he visited Africa in 1975 and and he saw Fela Kuti perform Uh, when he returned to Brazil he put together this uh, according to Tom Moon this huge ensemble um featuring some african drummers and singers and uh yeah what did you think of this
2: yeah i i, I, I exactly what you were talking about he he went to go see phelan and, and you know obviously phelan had had well not if, if you don't know phelan had a massive band you know huge horn section lots of percussion you know two or three guitar players you know multiple vocalists i mean you know, he just seemed to take on that spirit of what Fela was doing and then also infuse, you know, Brazilian rhythms, uh, which he was already accustomed to. Um, and then maybe even some 70s type funk, which the book kind of alludes to where, you know, he he kind of took on the the whole, you know, P-funk persona where they just all sorts of stuff going on on stage where you have. a a variety of musicians and singers and, and kind of, you know, tripped out grooves. And I think, um, you know, the, the thing with, with, with this is that, especially with this first track, you know, I I love the, the mix of all of that and, and how it works. Hey, Kitty. And, um, (laughs) the, the, the thing too, is he, uh, he obviously up to this point, he, he was somewhat of a, a a veteran of of Brazilian music. I did not know that he, until I read this book, that he wrote, uh, the song, uh, Mas which Sergio Mendez in Brazil 66 made very famous. And, uh, his version, I, I mean, is, is a good version, but, you know, he went from, you know, that Brazilian sound to a whole different Brazilian sound with, with this record. And, um, you know just another good discovery uh getting into what he was about and and his influence from from brazil from africa you know from america apparently too uh in that period it's it's a great great discovery great music to listen to
1: oh definitely um let's just check out the first track just so we can hear what it sounds like is that cool yeah oh yeah um so this first track we're going to listen to is Ponta de Lanca Africano, um, which I tried to find out what that means. And, um, the closest translations I could come up with is it means African spearhead hmm. is what it means. Um, okay. And, uh, so, you know, obviously the African, um, influence is supposed to be, uh, right in your face in this. And, and really, I mean, you can hear it. I mean, you can hear this, uh, these uh you know influences of afrobeat you can hear the brazilian dance music and you can also hear the seven the really popular 70s funk that was going on at the time with like parliament funkadelic and in this you can hear that in there too um so let's check this out this is uh ponta de lanca africano by Jorge Ben <laughs>
0: Cidade toda ficou vazia nessa tarde bonita Só pra te ver jogar Babara. Coro condor, choca Joga bola, jogador, choca Joga bola, corocondor, rede rede rede, jogador, rede rede rede, corocondor, rede rede rede, jogador, rede rede rede, corocondor.
1: And we just heard "Ponta de Lanca Africano by Jorge Ben um, and we're going to move on to Chica or Xica de da Silva it's a X-I-C-A and um, I think it's Chica da Silva um, is how you would uh, pronounce that in Portuguese uh, yeah what did you think of this one?
2: This one sounded a, a, a little more poppy than, than the, the first track but uh you know, I I like this one too. You know, especially the 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 vocals on this track is what what kind of stood out to me when I when I first heard it, um, and just the the fact that he he seems like just not afraid to kind of blend these these genres where you have you have the African and Brazilian sounds, you know, really are, that are at the the forefront of what what it seems he's trying to do. Um, you know, and and I I definitely like. Um, like the way that he seems to try to, you know, like I said, you know, take take both and and make something make something completely different or or new, you know, mixing the sounds. Uh, but uh, you know, I I definitely like this track too uh, a lot. Did I I knew you probably did too.
1: Oh yeah, and one of the cool things I like about it is it features this um this percussion instrument. I think it's called a quika. I could have the name wrong here, but it's this. Uh, it's like a. Um, it's like a drum, like a bottomless drum, and then on the drum head you have this sort of stick running through a hole in the middle of the drum head, and, and when you push and pull the stick, it makes this noise, like wee. you know. Oh what, yeah,
2: you no, know I know what, I know what, what you're mean? talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: and so you can hear that like all through the track. It you know creates this this cool little this little rhythm, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought this was a cool funky groovy track (laughs) yeah yeah this
2: that was just a it's it's just a fun period you know to have certain musical types that that never would have seemed to work together you know especially in the 70s and 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 maybe the early 80s that people were were kind of you know playing with and and still now but but back in in the day when people were first trying to really do things like that that was I, I something about the '70s, especially, that I, I love. You know, there's so many things that yeah. happened, music-wise, that you know were just groundbreaking. You know, with within you know, you know, Brazil and in in Africa and America. I mean, you know, and this is just a great example of of that period. You know, an, an artist who I, I really didn't know much about at first, who who was trying to you know take what he liked and and you know kind of combine it into something totally different so
1: yeah yeah uh, cool
2: really really good good discovery again you know
1: yeah definitely so let's check this out this last track from jorge ben this is chica de silva
0: A negra, de escrava amante, mulher, mulher, do fidalgo tratador, João Fernandes, ai, 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 Chicada, 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 Silva, a negra, Chicada, 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 Chicada. a imperatriz do Tijuco, a dona de Diamantina, morava com a sua corte, cercada de belas mucamas, num castelo, na chácara, na palha, de arquitetura sólida e requintada, onde tinha até um lado Artificial e uma luxuosa galera. E seu apoio, João Fernandes, o tratador, mandou fazer só para ela. Ai, ai, ai. Chiada, chicada, chicada, chica silva negra. Chiada, chicada, chicada, chica
1: silva. And we just heard Chica da Silva. I said day before it's da. <laughs> <laughs> Chica da Silva of Jorge Ben and we're going to move on to Salve Regina Gregorian chant of the Benedictine monks of the Abbey of Saint Maurice and Saint Mar Clairvaux. So um you know last time when we were going through uh, the end of the show kind of coming what's next I think we both assumed that this was the album that came out in the early '90s that was such the sensation. This is actually yeah. not the record. Yeah, it's totally different. That yeah, came yeah. out. This was released in uh, 1958, but it's wow. you know it's along the same lines um, yeah. of the one that came out in '94. The one that came in '94 was the Benedictine monks, monks of the Santo Domingo de Silos. Um, <laughs> yeah, with, with that was that uh, record, um, and I guess you know Tom Moon actually talks about. That record in the book, and that whole phenomenon, you know, that went on, um, the the chant craze and all this stuff. But this, I, I kind of like that he picked this because this sort of depicts the chant in its natural state, how it would naturally be heard in an abbey full of monks, just just sort of going about their daily business. And part of the daily business of a monk in an a, in an abbey is Uh, Recognizing the stations, the Catholic stations, the different parts of the day that have been um, designated, you know, and these go throughout like designated prayer uh, places like places where you're supposed to pray. Right. Uh Uh, And these go throughout the entire day and throughout the entire night. So if you ever see the schedule of a monk, you realize that monks do not get long periods of sleep because they're no. constantly up these stations go you know there's like a station at midnight there's like a station at three in the morning there's like one at six in the morning friends i don't know if i'm exactly right on these but that's a you know and they have to be up and praying for every one of these stations <clears throat> and you know all these stations have names so like it could be matins and La- laudens lawdens and i don't know they have all these names Um, but, uh, these chants, you know, are, it's incredibly complex how it works because, um, it's all been codified by the Catholic church as to what station you sing, what chant and what it even comes down to the time of year and even what day it is, you know? And so all these chants are assigned to all these specific stations and specific days and all this stuff. And, um, uh, So that's what they do. And it's like a routine. You know, they get up and they they sing these. So in the first one, we're going to hear you can you can actually hear the uh, bells of the carillon yeah. going on in the background, you know, which is not part of the of the chant. I have to say it's just something that's going on, you know, because it's it's just part of the you know, what the daily grind, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Know.
2: that That's one of the big differences in, in this one in the, the latter chant album that I noticed right away was the sound of that church bell. And I was like, you know what, this is, this, this seems a lot more authentic in a lot of ways than, than the one that came out in 94. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, like you were talking about the, the number of times they have to pray. I'm like the dedication that that must take um, I mean, where you just have to give up everything. I mean, even your own personal stuff to go and 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 pray. And I'm like, man, you know, that's man, it's an incredible.
1: Yeah, it's an incredible dedication. Um, yeah. So. But
2: yeah, that's that's something else. I didn't realize that the type of grind they had to go through. You know, just to do their their daily routine so to speak. I, I I never really I really was not aware. Um but man, uh the the sound uh the, the sound that comes through on these recordings is, is is so amazing. Again like we were talking about with with an opera or a classical performance or a church performance with a choir, you know, these these mostly a cappella, you know recordings of them, I mean it's 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 remarkable. You know, even if you're not of, of the faith, you know that they are. I mean, just just hearing the way it sounds, you know, the the echo and in, in in the in the voices. I mean, you know, I, I I love it. I mean, it's it's just something that that's so unique and and unto itself. You know what what they do, and um, again, like you said, going back to that that church bell, just it adds such a such a a piece of uh it just adds adds, it adds so much authenticity to what yeah yeah what they're doing you know anyway
1: yeah it almost transports you there like you, you you almost like you're sitting there watching them do it on just like a typical day you know what i mean yeah um and uh yeah you can really hear this sort of un unaffected Devotion in their voices, you know, like this mm-hmm. is this is what we've given our life to. This is what our life is, you know. And,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, let's check this out. This first track, um, and I'm going to read these full titles, and I'm not going to attempt to explain what they mean, or even I don't really even know mostly what they mean. But this first track is Te Deum, Hymnus, Tonus Monasticus. This is. Uh, From the Benedictine monks of the Abbey of Saint Maurice. So let's check this out. Just heard the Te Deum, and we're going to move on to um, uh, the Magnificat. This is another piece, and another thing I wanted to say about that is that in both of these tracks, um, you'll hear this organ in the background, it's just sort of playing these sort of austere sounding chords. And um, that I have to say is very French. Um, you won't hear that in many abbeys and monasteries around the world, a lot of times, you'll just hear. The chant completely unaccompanied which traditionally it's supposed to be just the voice unaccompanied by by anything um the chant you know the original chants wouldn't have had this organ accompaniment in there so this is something that is probably just improvised you know by uh the organist you know at the abbey and i think that's something that's very french to do um for for these chants um so uh i don't know It's just a
2: little side note a, yeah. a
1: little side note there but um yeah we're gonna move on to this piece uh magnificat uh 2s pastor ovium canticum at antiphona antiphona <laughs> um, so yeah all these titles are in latin obviously yeah. all this stuff is sung in latin um yeah what do you think of this one
2: well, I, I love it and going going back to what you said about it being in Latin is, is it's one of those languages that I mean, I can remember at a very young age in, in school having you know, some teachers talk to you about you know it being the, the root language of all languages and and going to to that and, and trying to remember a lot of the Latin phrases, you know and and you know, I, it was a, it's a language I would love to learn how to speak fluently. And, and, and it's just simply because, you know, there's so much that comes from Latin and, and to have, you know, you know a music like this, you know, where you could hear it and understand it would be really fun, you know, cause I can remember being uh, in, in choir in school, um, you know, the first time we, as a choir in, in, in my high school, Sang a song in Latin was uh, a song called "O Bone Jesu," which I, I, if I remember correctly, is "O Blessed Jesus." And uh, you know, it's something about that that sound and the Latin, you know, words that that just make it so much fun. You know, if that makes sense, Um, Mm -hmm. when when you hear it, uh, the way it's been, you know, sang and sung and translated over the the, the years, um, you know, and, and I, I have a lot of respect, you know, for, you know, anyone who you know, is, is still trying to do it the way it's been done, you know, and, 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 and done accurately, you know, over you know, hundreds of thousands of years, you know, if, I guess, if you will. And, um, you know, it's it, like I said, it, it was something when, when I first experienced, um, this type of music, I, I you know, I, I really didn't know what to expect, you know, but uh, I, I liked it so much, and and I and I like these too. I mean, it, it's just one of those things. Like when when the chant albums came out, you know, it, it it's kind of easy to like, and 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 people like it for different reasons, you know. Um, you know, some people just it's good meditation music. You know, some people it has more to do with with their faith, you know, and, uh, some people is again, going back to the whole, you know, Latin, uh, language, you know, it it could be a variety of reasons, but anyway, um, you know, just, just very, really, really interesting, you know, and I, again, I love, I love the way the church bells sound, you know, so something about a church bell, especially if you hear it, you know, there's a place where I, when, when I work uh, I work outdoors, there's a church sometimes that I'm working around and throughout the day, um, that bell chime, you know, and I'm, I'm really not sure if someone's ringing it. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a big Catholic church over here, uh, near the, the veteran cemetery here in in Houston. And I, I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's probably something that's, that's set, you know, on a timer, but there may be somebody in there ringing it. But when you hear that bell in the distance, it's just, it's just something that's, there's nothing like it. You know, it's, it's just an awesome sound, you know, but, uh, anyway, for
1: for sure um another just little piece of history about this i thought was interesting um the first person that really pushed to get, to get this you know unified chant uh you know repertoire uh pushed throughout europe was charlemagne he was the uh Ah uh, the Frankish king, you know the the eighth century Frankish king. and I thought that uh, this was interesting because he he was so serious about it and and getting everybody to sing the same things, you know to so it could all be the same uh he he required the clergy to sing this new you know codified repertory on the pain of death. So if you weren't singing it, wow, you were, you were killed. <laughs> Wow, so that's one you know that's one way to get your music out there yeah you know? yeah i guess so <laughs> sing this or we kill you <laughs> yeah um so anyway here is the uh the last track uh from this uh album salve regina by the ben- benedictine monks of the abbey of saint maurice and saint mar um this is the magnificat "Tu S pastor ovium canticum et antiphona Amén. heard the Magnificat from the Benedictine monks and that's it that's it cool. for this week we we are done um, and uh, if you would like to send us an email and please do so send it to 1000 recordings podcast at gmail.com you can join us on twitter at twitter.com slash 1000 RP you can go to our website at 1000 RP and you can join us on facebook um And, you know, where we like Mitch said, you know, this week he posted a it was like a 30 minute documentary on Bell and Sebastian that uh, you posted on that page.
2: So, yeah, that was that was that was something I was just kind of bumping around like, oh, here we go. You know, I mean, it was really, really enlightening just to hear them them discuss, you know, you know what they were about and, and their beginnings and 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 they the kind of cool little animations in, in between you know it was it was really nice you know i was something i i was i was glad to kind of stumble upon that
1: yeah know. yeah so we we like to post stuff like that on this so you can join us on facebook and we have a new five-star review on itunes to read this week Do you want me to read this one?
2: Please, because I I never have it pulled up. (laughs) I've already read it, but please, please read it.
1: So this five-star review comes to us by Stuart Sutherland. And Stuart says, uh, Love, love, love this podcast. I stumbled across the Tom Moon book and have been somewhat lonely traveling on the road myself. Finding this guy is like having two buddies who are twice as passionate as you are Know twice as much as you do, and who hear things that you never even noticed. Anthony and Mitch, thanks for taking us along on the journey with you. So that's an awesome review. Thanks, Stu. That is. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Stu, I like to prefer to call him Stu. (laughs) Stu, that's 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 an awesome name. Not not as cool as Suleiman, but yeah. (laughs) But I was just talking about him this morning. Um, so yeah, if you would like to go to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review, that would help us greatly in uh, you know our visibility in iTunes and, and helping people find the podcast and and getting more listeners. So if you'd like to do that, we would appreciate it, and we will read your five star review on the air. Uh, and it, one other thing I wanted to mention: um, we mentioned uh, our listener Mike Mish, who, who who put together this. Blog called Recording the Recordings, and he is making a comprehensive list of all 1,000 recordings with links to streaming uh, audio. So you can go to this list, and eventually, the goal is you'll be able to listen to anything from the book Mm -hmm. online. And of course, we always encourage you, if you like something, please, please, please buy it and support these artists. But yeah, this is an amazing resource that uh, Mike is putting together and you can find it again at his uh, blog, recording the recordings uh, dot blog spot. Uh, I'm probably getting that wrong. Let me let me make sure I'm getting this um, this URL correct. Okay. um yeah it's recording the so and there's a link at the top that says stream recordings so in the in to this list so i just thought that it was a you know we had to mention it because it's a a great resource for any any reader of tom moon's book or any listener to this podcast so yeah um, yeah going,
2: going going back to what you said too about you know su- support the artist you love that i mean that's that's for sure i mean that we had uh I guess, uh, you know, Blackout Tuesday or whatever it was about a week ago. And, you know, that to me, you know, that that's always going to be sort of an issue where my main thing is people should have choice, you know, and and there are there are entities out there that would rather make your choices for you when it comes to the music you hear or or what you see on TV or, or whatever you know, I, I always feel like the, the internet is just a great medium to to help you make your own decisions, you know. And I mean record companies and alike, and, and the they're you know, they have their own thing, what they want to do, but you know, it's good when you can make up your own mind, you know. And and that's why I like the way the internet is now and, and hope that it does not change, you know. And I, I definitely feel like artists should be compensated for what they do, you know, nobody wants to get ripped off. But uh, I also feel like people should, they should be able to, to, you know, have a variety of choices, you know, to be able to know, you know, kind of better what, what's out there, what's, what's good to them, what's bad to them. And I feel like, like I said, the internet, the way it is now, you know, it's, it's better that way, you know?
1: Oh yeah, definitely dude. Internet freedom.
2: Yeah, yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, so. But it, you know, it still kind of made me laugh when I when I saw the things on uh, on Facebook about SOPA because you know SOPA is the Spanish word for soup. Yeah. So you know, I'd constantly see you know you know people rally against SOPA, and I'd be like, you know, what's wrong with soup? I, I like soup. <laughs> Soup's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, no. In all seriousness, I'm yeah, totally with you. Um, and uh, yeah, what about next week? Do you know what we have coming up next week?
2: Uh the first thing uh, we we're we going to look at next week is an album with Tony Bennett and Bill Evans together which I cannot wait I have not listened to that uh, I love both of them uh, especially Dude, I'm with you I can't wait for it either Bill Evans is, to me is, is is like Miles Davis but a piano player that just totally could make a piano talk I mean he he was not a piano player he was a piano talker I mean he's to me he's like the god of, of piano playing. You know, I just love that guy. Um and I mean Tony Bennett is just obviously iconic in his, in his own right, you know, just legendary singer performer. Um that's that's the first one and then uh some other things I'm not so familiar with uh uh Berg um with an album uh I don't even want to try to <laughs> pronounce that.
1: Yeah, Volzek.
2: There we go. Sounds sounds right coming out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um and then um uh, Alban Berg and uh Ivor Stravinsky, uh Violin Concerto, uh Violin Concerto, um from the two of them. Um uh, uh Luciano Berrio. Yeah. All right, um uh, symphona for Eight Voices and Orchestra, which uh, you know, that'll that'll definitely be new to me as well. And then uh uh Hector Berli. I, I I'm yeah. gonna jack this up too Ber-
1: <laughs> H- Hector Berlioz. Berlioz, okay yeah. it's Symphony Fantastique.
2: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> a bunch also of yeah, so me. a bunch of classical stuff. So we have we start out with jazz and then four albums that would fall under the classical category cool um and yeah man vault oh. <laughs> i don't know if i'm looking forward to that or not i i know i know <laughs> i know the opera i've seen the opera live and uh it's it's a heavy thing so we'll, we'll get into that the barrio is is really interesting piece i'm looking forward to getting into that the symphony fantastique also is a really, really interesting piece to talk about. So yeah. Yeah. We'll get in uh, into all of that next week. And, cool. uh, any, I don't know. You have anything else before we go?
2: No, just, uh, good to sit down and, and talk again. All, always fun. Um, you know, can't wait for next week. Uh, and, uh, thanks for everyone who, who listens to the show. Thanks for your, uh, your ratings, your comments, your whatever. Um, you know, we're we're gonna grind this out and, and keep on going and expand and do some different things uh you know in the coming months. Uh so uh, just look out for us and uh thanks again for your support.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thanks everybody, and uh we will see everybody next week later.
2: All right, bye-bye.
6: What's this? It's the new Bell and
4: Sebastian. Do you like it? Holy shit!
5: What the fuck is that? It's the new Bell and Sebastian. It's the record we've been listening to and enjoying, Barry.